what really gets my dick hard is. Welcome to another edition of Metal Up Your Podcast Radio. I'm Ethan Luck. Whoa. Yeah, it's me. Hey, it's not Clint. Uh, everyone's been pestering me to do these, and uh, I'm sorry I have not done more of them. Uh, but here we are. All right? Better late than never. I'm going to do I'm gonna do it. Here we go. Um, I'm going to read a bunch of questions. I've printed out probably, I don't know, let me look here, eight or so pages of questions from you lovely people on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um I'm going to get to all those questions. I'm going to play songs in between those that have to do with some of the questions. Uh, and I might just play something random. Who knows? Um, if I don't get to your question, uh, it's because I didn't copy and paste it and print it out before this. But uh, I'll get to some other ones in, in uh, future episodes. But uh, I've got a lot of them to go through. So, um, yeah, other than that, um, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you guys have been seeing Metallica and having a good time. Uh, as you heard on our recap episode of the Nashville show, we had a blast. Um, I think I sound a lot better now. I'm kind of over the sickness. And let me tell you, I was not down with the sickness. Um, yeah, I feel great. I'm, I hope I sound normal to you again. And, uh, we're going to jump right into some questions. Is that cool? You can't respond. I can't hear you. Yes, it's cool. Um, let's start off real quick. Uh, we're going to scroll go over to Instagram. These are some questions I, uh, I copied and pasted, did print it out right in front of my face. And uh, let's get right into it. Our friend Colby Landis, first question. He says, how much lettuce do you want? Uh, I want all the lettuce. Let us discuss it. <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, Metallica says, finally looking forward to it, meaning what I'm doing right now, this episode. Uh, it said, so if you hadn't become a musician, what other career would you have, would you have had? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know, really. Um, this is all I've wanted to do. Um, since I was 11 years old, uh, when I picked up a guitar and started learning from my dad and then a local music shop, um, I didn't really think about what I wanted to do necessarily for a living, but all I knew is that I wanted to play music and that was it. Uh, once I got a little older, let's say, you know, mid to late high school, I saw that there were bands that I knew and bands that were like on tooth and nail records that were doing well and like basically making a job out of music and I thought man I wonder if I could do that one day you know and so then I ended up going to college for a little bit uh junior college <laughs> don't get too excited um and then I started going on tour and that's when I realized wow like this could be a job now the first few tours I did were not a job uh as in I didn't make hardly anything and come back pretty poor um but I yeah as time went on I ended up being in bands and, and doing jobs in music and it, it was a reality all of a sudden and it still is today. And it, let me tell you, if you're, if you're trying to get into that, it's not an easy thing to do. 
Um, it is nothing but peaks and valleys. When it's good, it's great. When it's bad, it sucks. Um, there's not often a lot of middle ground. Uh, you have to do a lot of kind of side hustling to make extra money to pay the bills. You know, I, I know I've mentioned on the show before that like in the last year I've been driving for Lyft and Uber and that's just, you know, that's just what you have to do, um, in the music world yeah, to you know, make ends meet sometimes and, uh, kind of get you to that next gig. You know, unfortunately for me, I, I'm, I'm going to be on the road soon with need to breathe. So yay. I don't have to drive as much. Um, but what would I have chosen otherwise? Um, I don't know. Uh, like I said, this is all I've ever wanted to do. Um, I, now I was, I will say I was, uh, I played baseball from like time I was five until right before high school. So uh, maybe, you know, maybe a baseball player, you know, I, I think I was pretty good at it. I was always the cleanup hitter number four position. Um, but again, man, music took over. Can't help it. So I hope that answers that kind of, <laughs> You know, I always wanted to be a podcast host. That's what I wanted to be. Uh, Life of Cole says, yes, as in this episode. Uh, what are some of your favorite records you've recorded? Oh, man, there's a lot. Uh, well, one of them, when I was in the band Reliant K, uh, it was called Forget Not Slow Down. And that was actually uh, 10 years ago this year. Um, October, I believe it came out. Um, so who knows? Maybe we'll get to do a 10-year uh, anniversary show or tour or something. I don't know. There's a lot of logistics involved in, in putting together something like that, and uh, I don't know if the other dudes would even want to do it. Actually, I do know a couple of them would want to do it, um, but maybe maybe so. And speaking of, I, I, I know I should probably just get through more questions right now, but why don't I play a song from that record? That sounds like a good place to start, right? Or let me actually let me finish answering more of his question, uh, other records uh, recorded on that he, he's you know asking about. Uh, well, I, the last two Matthew Mayfield records I played drums on, I love those. The new one's coming out March 1st, I believe. Um, my friend Anna Rose, I recorded on her new record, which I'm not, I don't know the exact release date, but I know uh, on February 5th she's releasing the first single and uh, did that and the Matthew Mayfield records with Paul Moak. Um, Paul! No, not here. Too early for Paul. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I mean, some of the supertone stuff I did was really fun. Uh, I'm going to play one of those actually later because that, uh, relates to another question here in the future. Um, the demon hunter stuff was fun. Um, gosh, there's, yeah, I've, I've got to do all sorts of cool stuff. Um, I, I like doing it all. There's, there's, there's rarely been a time where I've gone in the studio with an artist or, or with the band I've been in and been like, eh, that wasn't so fun. You know, it's, it's making music with, with people is, is always a blast. Um, let me play an example of that Reliant K record. Uh, I'm going to pick a song. This one's called "This One's Called Sahara. This is one of my favorite ones. I got to do a lot of cool little drum things on it, and I don't know. Just listen to it. I play drums on this record, and uh, this is one of, one of the records I'm most proud of with this band.
That's a fun one to listen to. That was uh, produced by Mark Townsend, uh, mixed by uh, Andy Wallace. Um, yeah, what a fun record to make. That was, God, almost 10 years ago we made that record. Uh, I think we recorded it sometime in the spring. I can't remember. But um, yeah, there's also on YouTube, if you type in Reliant K, Forget Not Slow Down, I think documentary, there's like an hour-long thing of us making that record uh, shot by my friend Kale Glendening, who's an awesome filmmaker. Anyways, moving on, let's get back to some more questions here. Uh, Angelo Gonzalez, would you like playing more drums or guitar? That's also, you know, that's another tough question. Uh, my gut says guitar because that's my first instrument. I didn't learn drums until I was probably in junior high. Um, but yeah, guitar is always fun. Um, our friend Anya over there from uh, across the pond, uh, she says, yay, favorite Bronx record. Okay, the Bronx, I've mentioned this band on the show before. They're an awesome band from L.A. I got to see them probably 50 plus times on Warp Tour, and they're so stinking good. Uh, she says, what's your opinion on the Interrupters? Well, let me tell you, if you're a fan of ska music, the Interrupters have been around for a few years. I think they've got three records out, maybe one EP. They're an awesome female-fronted ska band from L.A. on Tim Armstrong's label. I believe their last two records are produced by Tim Armstrong from Rancid, and they're just awesome. It, it, it's very throwback, uh, but they're blowing up right now. They're doing really well. Um, they've been on Jimmy Kimmel, um, gotten all sorts of great touring opportunities. I can't say enough uh, good things about that band. Um, and the last thing she says, as a, as a fellow 1978er, how's 40 treating you? Well, 40 is great. Uh, it feels the same as 35 and 30 and 25. I think the only difference I feel right now is every once in a while, when I fall skateboarding, it takes me longer to get up. That's a that's a kind of it. I don't know. I, I don't feel in, any different. That's always a weird thing when people ask you, how do you feel at a certain age? Because it's like, well, I feel the same as I did yesterday. Um I don't know. There's just little little differences, I guess. I mean, I wake up earlier, so there's that. Turned into my dad, I guess. Um, well, speaking of the Bronx, I, I, I know we haven't gotten too many questions yet, but uh, I made a couple little notes, and that last Relent K one was kind of a... You know, I threw that in off the top of my head. But um, I want to play a Bronx song for Anya because the Bronx is so damn good. Um, my favorite Bronx record, I believe, is their... I'm going to say it's their second record. Um, it, it's just so good. And I know it sounds weird for me to be saying their second record, like I don't know the name of it or something, but no, it's actually called The Bronx 2. Um, it's a fantastic record. Check out their whole discography. I mean, they're such a good band. I think I got into them because I, I, I'm a huge fan of this band from San Diego called Rocket from the Crypt. And uh, there are some elements of that in there. And a, a mutual friend of mine turned me on. Uh, on. What's that? Is that a word? On? Turned me on to The Bronx. Um, so yeah, let's check out. This is track four off of The Bronx 2 called History Stranglers. 
my gosh. I love that band so much. What do you guys think about that? The Bronx. Check them out. It's kind of punk rock. It's dirty. It's they're just they're just good. And uh, side note, they also have a side project called Mariachi El Bronx, and they've done I believe three records, maybe four. I think it's three. Um, and it's them and a couple extra musicians literally doing mariachi music. And you wouldn't think that that dude who just screamed like that can sing real beautifully, but he can. Uh, so check out the Bronx and Mariachi El Bronx. All right, back to more questions. Uh, this is from. This is see, screen names are kind of tough to read sometimes. Uh, Abe Chico Linda uh, Lind, Lindoff. I'm gonna say her name is Abe Chico Lindoff. Uh, is there a future for young upcoming bands in the business? Do you think? Um, is it too late to make it out there with real music and not electronic? Um, sure, of course, of course it is. Um, now th- this is a tough one because sometimes you know the term "make it." What is that? How do you define that? If your goal is to just do music and make a ton of money and that's considered making it, then go for it. Um, if you don't, just don't be surprised when you don't make it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you know, to me, if I can, if I can pay the bills, uh, but more importantly, be enjoying the music that I'm creating and playing and the people I'm creating it with, then to me, that's making it. You know, um, even if I'm doing another job, it's not music, but I'm still creating my own music and putting music out there for people to check out. To me, that's making it, you know, um, you know, and, and as far as like electronic versus like quote unquote real music, as you're saying, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's tough to, to kind of argue that one because electronic music, that's still music, you know, you or I may not like EDM, um, but somebody is putting their heart and soul into that. And to them, it's a it's a big deal and and very important to them. So, you know, regardless of how we feel about certain styles of music, somebody likes that kind of music, and somebody's creating it and has a passion for it. So, I think that's great. Um, would I prefer there to be more rock bands out in the world doing really well than electronic? Probably, um, but that's not the state of music right now, unfortunately, and that's okay. Um, it all comes. It always comes back around. That's the thing. I don't know when it's going to happen again. Like. I think the last huge shift in music was during the early 90s, kind of Seattle Explosion, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Mud Honey, all those bands. I mean, all that basically ended a, a genre of music that lasted a decade, which was glam rock. Some of it spilled over into the 90s, but it was pretty much done. Uh, so will that happen again in music? I'd say probably not, um, but I I would like to be wrong. I would like to be wrong, um, but I think that there 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 will there will be more waves of rock bands doing well and stuff like that. This is just what people like right now. This is how it is, you know. Anyways, moving on. Um, Jacob Board says, uh, "Who was someone or multiple people you have met that made you feel starstruck?" Well, I'd say number one is James Hetfield when I met him in the John Wayne Airport years and years ago. I was pretty starstruck then. Um, who else have I met that made me feel starstruck? Oh, I met Chuck D one time from Public Enemy at a record store day event at Grimey's in Nashville, which is also where uh, Metallica played that little tiny club show. Uh, he was just standing around. He was emceeing uh, in between a couple bands, and he walked off stage, and he was standing there, and nobody was talking to him. And so I was like, huh, I'm going to go say hi to Chuck D from Public Enemy. And I did, and he was super cool. We took a photo together, and he was awesome, man. As far as hip-hop goes, just so you know, Public Enemy is by far my favorite hip-hop band of all time. Um, maybe I'll play a Public Enemy song a little bit later. Let's get some more. Some more I can't talk this morning. Let's get some more. Oh my, what's wrong with me? Let's get to some more questions. Let's get to more questions, Earthlings. Okay. 
Jason Barry says, what's it been like rehearsing with Need Debris so far? Are they welcoming dudes? No, they're total assholes, and I already quit. Uh, that's not true at all. They're awesome, super nice dudes. I'm really looking forward to getting on the road with them in about two weeks here. Um, it's been fun rehearsing with them. I, I only did two rehearsals, and they were just kind of casual, very acoustic rehearsals. And um, I start production rehearsals, actually, in, in yeah, about a little less than two weeks. And uh, if you don't know the difference between just like a normal rehearsal and a production rehearsal, production rehearsal is basically you're doing the actual show that you're taking on the road with all the lights, all the sound, any, you know, stage props, things like that, the, the exact uh, configuration of where all the band members are. And you basically run the entire set list as many times as you your heart's des- heart desires and uh, just make sure it's like perfect and ready to go for the tour. So. Hope I answered that okay. Uh, Wormy Worm says, Hey, Ethan, hope all is good. All is good. Thank you for asking. Um, just like you, I also play the drums and guitar. Anytime I meet somebody like this, I always ask them this question. Which one do you enjoy playing most, drums or guitar? We'll answer that a little bit earlier. Uh, guitar. Drum, listen, drums are so fun. I've got drums set up in my studio at all times, and I love playing them. Love it, love it, love it. Um, if I was asked to go out on the road and play drums for somebody... I would say yes, of course. I wouldn't be like, well, a guitar better. But, you know, guitar is just, I've just played guitar longer, and it's the first instrument I ever learned. Um, another question from Anya. She says, can you recommend any other podcasts? Well, you're in luck. Aside from the ones we always mention on here, you know, um, of course, Single Podcast Theory, um, the other Metallica podcasts, Alpha Metallica, Speak and Destroy, things like that. But um, um, I've been listening to Conan O'Brien's new podcast, and also, Dax Shepard has a podcast. If you know him, he's he's from Parenthood. Um, he got a start with um, Ashton Kutcher doing that punk show, which was hilarious. Um, he's been in all sorts of stuff, and he's an absolute riot. And he's got a ton of great guests on his uh, on his show. And Clint kind of makes fun of it sometimes, but it's, you know, it's like uh, a celebrity who interviews his celebrity friends. It's basically that. But he seems like a very down to earth guy. He's like clean and sober, and has great conversations with people. One of the best ones is him and his wife, Kristen, Stu- not Kristen Stewart, Kristen Bell. Um, he has his wife, Kristen Bell, on the show, and the whole episode starts with them arguing. It's amazing. So, yeah, check those out. Uh, here we go. Loud Rock says, dude, as the kick-ass musician you are today, if you went back to play in one of your earlier bands, how different would your gear be, or would you play the songs differently than you did because of better technique slash experience? Well, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how differently I would play them, you know, because some of the stuff I did in my early bands was pretty simple. But even in a band like Demon Hunter, which was metal, I mean, I would play it like it was recorded, you know. Um, I think I would technically be, uh, you know, a better performer. Um, but I wasn't, I don't think I was bad back then, by any means. But uh, I don't know if I would do much differently if I were to go back and play in those bands uh, and, and redo it. Um, maybe there's some songs I wouldn't have... Uh, let go on records, <laughs> but whatever. Like it happens, and you, know, you recorded it, you put it out in the world, and you can't go back and change it. So, we just go along for the ride. Um, just congrats on the gig. Can't wait to see you need to breathe. Thank you. We'll come on out to a show. And if anybody else wants to come out to a show, go to their website, check out their tour dates. Um, I can't guarantee that I can like get people in and stuff like that. I don't even really know anybody in this camp, so I. That would be, you know, rude of me to assume I can go in there and start throwing names down on the guest list. <laughs> but, but if you want to come out, buy a ticket, come on out, say hi, just hit me up on the socials, and uh, maybe we can uh, hang out and grab a grab a cold one. All right, Andy Brown says, uh, "Awesome, I'm excited to hear this." Well, you're hearing it. Um, 
Was it easy to do the second EP of covers as opposed to the first one? He's speaking of the cover of old Black and EPs. Uh, did some of the same musicians play on the reggae covers that uh, you did on your re- that, uh, that played on your reggae record? Uh, only one. Um, the female vocal you hear on my cover of Memory Remains is my friend Hannah Smith, who has an awesome kind of Americana duo called the Daily Fair. Check them out. Um, she, yeah, I did everything myself on that one. That one I, I did all at home. I didn't have the luxury of going to Paul's studio and uh, having all my other friends come in and play on it, so I had to kind of get creative and do it all in my own home studio. But um, it will, I, I don't, I, it might have been a little easier to record the second one because I did it all at home. The first one was mostly done in hotel rooms, so that was a little more challenging just because I can only get a certain amount of things done per day and then wait a couple more days to my next day off and then you know hack it out a little more. So it, it wasn't necessarily hard. It just took a little longer. Uh, all right, the whole story, 405, this is all some, from Instagram still, by the way, said, if you could have any signature series Metallica instrument, which one would it be? Well, I'm going to go ahead and say I would like a black James Hetfield snake bite. Um, I think my favorite guitar, which we did on an episode, is the ESP Explorer from like the Black Album era, but I would not complain if uh, some rich fan out there bought me a, <laughs> a black snake bite. Uh, it's a safe, safe Hogue. Oh, oh, I can't pronounce this, this screen name. S A I F O H O Q U E. Uh, safe Ho Q. Let's say safe Ho Q. Let's do that. Seven. Uh, what's your favorite part about this line of work? Your least favorite and why? Um, favorite part about it is just playing music with people. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of favorite parts about it. Playing music, um, Interacting with crowds, feeling the energy from a crowd, um, getting to see all sorts of amazing places, um, travel all over the world. That's, I mean, all that stuff's incredible. It's it, oftentimes it does feel like a paid vacation, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of hard work involved and a lot of sweat and a lot of tears. Um, but it is, it is, is the best job I've ever had. You know, it's, it can be the most frustrating. Like I said earlier, it, it can be very good. It can be very bad. Um, it's not for everybody. Some people will do one tour and be like, oh man, this sucks. I'm never doing this again. Other people like myself just get that bug and it's like, yep, this is all I want to do. I don't care that I only made 10 bucks a day. I'm, I'm going to keep doing this. Um, but you got to be smart about it too. You can't, you know, if you got a wife and kid and you can't be like, all right, honey, I'm starting a band and I'm going to go on tour and I'm going to go make no money. Like that's just not smart. Um, but still practice your love of music at home. If you, if you can't afford to go on tour, you don't have the means to go on tour. You don't have a booking agent, a label, all that stuff. You can still do great musical things in your own home, in your community, in your city, and yeah, all sorts of stuff. That's what I mean. That's how we all got our start. You know, you play as many local shows as you can and hope that something happens. But if not, you know, oh well. Uh, least favorite? Uh, it's probably the travel part, like as far as like inconveniencing uh, things like flying. I hate flying. I fear flying. I think I'm going to die every time. That's one of my least favorite parts about it, especially when you're going overseas and it's just like a you know ten hour flight from this city to this city and turbulence and all that stuff. But um, that's probably my least favorite. There's not a lot of least favorites uh, other other than if you get on the t- on tour with some guy who's just a jerk and you have to see that person every day or something. But um, all right, here's the last question for um, for the Instagram portion. Uh, this is from Adam Pastor. He says, "Hey Ethan, keep doing what you guys do." Uh, I've been listening to the show for about a year now, and it gets me through a, 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 a day of work, <laughs> just one day of work. My question is, do you ever listen to the albums that you've played on? And if you do, is there a favorite that comes to mind? Thanks. Um, 
you know, every once in a while, I'll uh, it'll be late at night and I'm done watching something on Netflix or done doing making music stuff, and uh, I guess if it comes to mind or something reminds me of a certain record, I might put it on and see how it holds up. And I feel like a lot of the stuff I've done holds up pretty well, which is I think is something to be proud of. You know, there's definitely stuff that doesn't hold up so well, but for the most part, I'm still proud of what I've done. Um, so maybe I'll play something from my discography. Maybe my solo stuff. I don't know. I could do something from that, or I could do something like super early. Ooh, maybe I'll play something from my. So my first band was called the Dingies. It was like a punk rock ska reggae band. Um, I'm gonna play something from our first record. It's called Armageddon Massive. We recorded it with a guy named Steve Kravak in Hollywood, California, at a studio called West Beach, which is still there under, under a different name. Um, and if you haven't listened to my podcast, The Pirate Satellite, which I'm gonna get back up and going soon. Um, I did a whole like four part series on that record because it turned 20 years old last year. So go check that out. Um, so yeah, here's a song. Uh, I actually wrote the main guitar part. You're going to hear first for it. It's a song called Chaos Control. Um, it was one of our more popular songs. Not that we were a huge band by any means, but um, kind of a fan favorite. Check it out. There it is. Yeah, that was my uh, 
that was one of my, my first touring band actually ever, the Dingies. Uh, I, I said at the beginning of the song that I wrote the main guitar thing, which I did, uh, but I was actually the drummer in that band. So that was me playing drums. Um, I recorded that when I was 18. So <laughs> a little while ago. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we're moving on. Uh, I went over to Facebook and copied some questions over to see what people are wanting to ask me. Um, Chad Pollock says, how would you feel if they let Rob go and brought Jason back? Um, well, of course, it'd be so cool if Jason was back in Metallica, but I think I would feel pretty bad if they got if they fired Rob and, to get Jason back. As much as I would lo- love Jason Newstead, that would be kind of mean. <laughs> just be, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of a bummer. Um Martin Hawkins says, if you could hear any SNM version of any Metallica song, which three would you choose? Um, I would say Orion, for sure, would be on there. Um, and The Unforgiven would be on there. Um, what else? Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. These are kind of fun because I have no time to think about them. I'm just like, uh, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. I think The Outlaw Torn, probably. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say Fixer. I think Fixer would be awesome with an orchestra. What do you think? Would you choose that one? Would you? Would you? All right, moving along here. Uh, Dennis uh, Dal- uh, Dalgard says, Hi, Ethan. Uh, when will we finally do that Lars Denmark episode? Um, I'm not really sure what this means. I think it might mean... Uh, I think you're the dude on Twitter that sent us your impression of Lars, which, if this is, if I'm correct in this, is amazing. There's a lot of ohms, guys. It's really good. I can't do it. Even, not even close. I've, I've practiced. Michael Bailey says, I know that you're a social D guy. What do you think of the progression of the band and Mike Ness? They're still one of my favorite bands. Love the early stuff. Um, I feel like Mike has grown as a songwriter with every album. It's about time for a new social D album. I agree. Uh, thanks for everything uh, you and Clint do. Much appreciated. Good luck on your upcoming tour. And, um, well, speaking of Social D, I want to play a song by Social D because they are one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, I love the progression of this band. I didn't think their last record, Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes, was amazing. I think there's some really good songs on there, like Diamond in the Rough. Um, but I'd have to say, overall, though, I think their progression's been great. I think Mike Ness is one of uh, the best songwriters of the genre. Um, incorporates a lot of country stuff into it. Um, his two solo records are great. One's a cover record. One's mostly originals. Um, but yeah, they're one of my favorite bands. I've seen them live like four or five times. Some at the Ryman, some down in Atlanta. Um, just a great band. So I'm going to play something off my favorite social D record. You said you're a fan of the early stuff. I'm a fan of, um, sex, love and rock and roll. That's my favorite social D record. And, um, excuse me. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and play a song called the first track on the record called Reach for the Sky. It's such an awesome record. And if you've gotten into my solo stuff, you can definitely hear some, my Social D influence. Not, not my reggae record, but the stuff before that, you know, is very heavily influenced by Social D. So here's Reach for the Sky by Social Distortion. <laughs> Just a roll of the dice. But the day may come when you've got some men to 
this moment Try if you can to make it last Don't think about no future There you go. I love that song. It's such a great record. I highly recommend getting that Social D record. It's so good. Again, that one's called Sex, Love, and Rock and Roll. It came out in like 04, I believe, or something. Um, and they've only done one record since then. They kind of wait a long time to do records. Like I'm talking like Death Magnetic to Hardwired Length. Um, anyways, thank you, Michael, for reminding me of the, to play a Social D song there because everyone needed to hear it. Uh, Ivan Favela says, what's the last Metallica song? What's the last song Metallica should play? I assume you mean in their set other than the enter Sandman, I guess. Um, I'm always a big fan of when they ended enter Sandman in with, the, uh, in during the main set and then three more songs for the encore. Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind them maybe just swapping that with puppets and having puppets be like the last song of the night. Um, you know, it's the song they play the most. Uh, I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, Philip Hedlund says, uh, disposable heroes versus blackened. I'm going blackened. AJ John, uh, what do you think of the boys cover of the clashes clamped down at the bridge school benefit in 2016? Also, I'm a big fan of both bands. So I'm interested to know. Uh, I, I thought it was great. I, I, you know, the clashes next to Metallica is my favorite band of all time. And, uh, Clampdown is such a great song. It's off of London calling by the way. Um, if you haven't gotten into the clash. I mean, come on, where have you been? Um, you might know the song Rock the Casbah or Should I Stay or Should I Go? And those were like the, the, off their second to last record that got really popular. But uh, yeah, The Clash, I mean, give them, give them enough rope, San Anista, London Calling, the self-titled. I mean, they've got a ton of great stuff. And there's an, also a great documentary, if you can find it, probably get it on iTunes or something, called um, West Way to the World. And that's an awesome career-spanning documentary that was done by a guy named Don Letts. Um, all right, David Hamas says... Uh, I know that when you guys re- uh, review an Anthrax album, you pick Among the Living. Uh, this is out, this album is a, is a thrash classic. I rate it right up there with Puppets. Do you agree with this statement? Yes or no, and why? Um, I disagree. I, although I think it is a, a thrash classic, I think it's really hard to put that up there with Puppets. It's not far off. Let me tell you that. I'm not dogging the record by any means. Among the Living is my favorite Anthrax record. I, I listen to it frequently. Um, I, I just think that Master of Puppets is, is in a, in kind of a class of its own, um, that you just, I don't think anyone can really achieve, you know, I, I don't think there's a Megadeth Slayer Anthrax record that comes close in my opinion. Um, but I like a lot of that stuff, as you know, um, especially Among the Living. It's so good. State of Euphoria, I think is another thrash classic. Uh, Brian Ward says, what encouraged you to pursue making a reggae album? Did you have any discouragement? Good question. Um, well, probably just my history with the music. Um, growing up in California, getting into punk rock, reggae, and ska music, that kind of took over my life for a long time. Um, I was obsessed with it. I still love it. Um, I still listen to it on a daily basis. Um, I just, honestly, it was as simple as me just missing writing that music. 
um, you know, I'd done a couple kind of punk rock influenced EPs and that was fun and I enjoyed making those. But, um, yeah, I just, one day I was on tour and I started writing songs for a new release and I started playing guitar like ching, 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 ching. And I was like, oh, I miss doing reggae stuff. So yeah, that's basically, that's kind of how it, it happened. Uh, any discouragement? I don't think so. Uh, may, maybe there was somebody out there that was like, oh man, why are you making a reggae record? Reggae sucks. And that's fine if you don't like it. Um, I make the music I want to make. Um, you know, I think, you know, when, when you're at the end of your life and you look back and you, and you made a bunch of music that, you know, you made for other people, I think then, you, you know, maybe it was dishonest or not genuine. Um, yeah, I, I, I write what I like and I'll put it out. And if you like it, great. If you don't like it, that's okay too. You know, I don't, I don't make music to please people. Um, I, I definitely make, make music in the hopes that someone's affected by it. That's for sure. Uh, but the initial goal isn't like, I need to make, write something that people are going to like. Um, I don't think Metallica did it that way, you know, back in the day. Um, even with the Black Album, everyone calls that the sellout record sometimes. But I still think they were doing what they wanted to do. And that's kind of a good example to take. Uh, where was I? Alex Vindic says, what are a few Metallica songs you'd love to see live but haven't been played at the shows you've attended? Mine are Damage Inc., Ride the Lightning, Bread Fan, My Friend of Misery, Unforgiven 2, and Carpe DM Baby. Okay, well, I would love to see Unforgiven 2 and 3. Um, I agree with you, My Friend of Misery. That's my favorite Black Album track. I would love to see that live. Um, I'd love to see Struggle Within. I haven't seen that before. Um, I still haven't seen Spit Out the Bone. So that would be cool, too. Um, all right, Frederick Brolin says, Hi, Ethan. Hi, Frederick. Um, is Cliff or J- if Cliff or Jason would uh, walk in on you while recording the, the episode and give you one question to ask each of them, which would those que- what would those questions be? Well, my question to Cliff would be, oh my God, how did you come back from the dead? That's my question for Cliff. Um, I'd also ask him, what do you think of Metallica's catalog post, um, post puppets? Uh, I think he'd back a lot of it, to be honest. A lot of people disagree with that. They think, like, oh, if Cliff was still alive, it's, it, it, it'd, be, it'd still be a thrash band. Um, I I don't know if I agree with that. Ray Burton even said that. That's just crazy. You know, it's his dad, but I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, if Jason, I, my question would be, hey, do you want to record something together? And he'd be like, yeah, man. I'd be like, oh, cool. Like, like cool, grab a guitar over there. I'll set up some microphones and we'll do it. And he'll be like, yeah, man, it's cool. All right, cool. That's my new set impression. It's pretty good, huh? Um, Kim Eng- uh, Engberg says, um, Hey, Ethan, what's up, bro? Uh, I would like to know what member of Metallica you guys would uh, like to have on your podcast and what the hell you would ask him. I listen to your podcast every Monday, and I must say that uh, that Metal Up Your Podcast fucking rules. Best regards, Kim. Well, Kim, um, uh, I mean, I think selfishly I would like to have James Hetfield on. But it's not, you know, I don't know. If any of them walked in the door and wanted to be on the show, we, we wouldn't say no. But um, I, I personally, I think James Hetfield, because I just find his story fascinating. Um, his upbringing with his family, um, sobriety, different outlooks on life, beekeeping. I mean, when I listen to him on a few podcasts, that you know, I was just very interested in what he had to say. Um, but I'll take any of them, let's be honest. Otto Van Horn, Van Torn, Torn? That's two O's. Otto Van Torn. I'm going to call it that. Otto Van Torben. Hey, Ethan, could you comment on the YouTube doc about Cliff Burton by his sister? I found it rather confusing myself. Would love to get your take on it. Uh, spoiler alert. I actually haven't seen it yet. Um, I heard, uh, me and Clint heard a lot about it. Um, I have not watched it yet, but I will. Okay. I promise. Uh, 
Uh, Bobby Alfred says, you told me on Instagram you weren't going uh, to do the fifth disc on the Injustice for All box set. I'm just wondering if you've listened to it. The bass is very audible, and the songs sound like they could have been on the record. No Kirk solo still, but the bass sounded good. Um, hope you guys have li- hopefully you guys have listened to it. Love the show, and um, the song Let It Burn is awesome, buddy. Oh, thank you. Um, I, uh, I have checked out the fifth discs. Um, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the bass is it's much more audible. Um, kind of like we talked about on those episodes. It's like it's cool to listen to those things once. But, um, you know, they're not discs I would like regularly put on, you know, um, especially like the riff tape stuff. Like that's cool to hear the incarnation of certain songs, but it's not something you like, all right, guys, road trip, riff tape, you know, and maybe you do. I don't know if you do. That's fine. That's fine. That's your prerogative in the words of Bobby Brown. Um, all right. Uh, so that concludes the Facebook portion of the questions. Um, we're going to move on to some Twitter questions, but before, um, Bobby had said uh, he likes the song "Let It Burn" off my last record, so I'm gonna for just for Bobby Alford. I'm gonna go ahead and play uh, "Let It Burn" off my last record, entitled "Let It Burn."
There you go. Bobby, that one's for you. Produced by Paul Moak, of course. All those sweet keyboard sounds in there, that's all Paul Moak. He he crushed it on my record. I play keys a little bit, not very good, and um, not very well, excuse me, grammar, please. Um, and, but Paul is a fantastic keyboard player, so he did all sorts of cool stuff on the record. Piano, organ, Moog, um, sorry, Moog, um, some synth stuff, uh, Mellotron, yeah, all sorts of cool little little textures he threw in there that I'm very, very grateful for. All right, we're going to move on to some Twitter questions here. Um, first one is from our friend Tom Kui um, from Al- the Alpha Metallica podcast. He says, Ethan, I uh, hope to get you back on the show soon. Dude, I'd love to be on the show. Let you name the time or name the song, and we'll, we'll talk about it. He says, two questions, any good Warp Tour stories, and favorite closing song on an album? Well, I'm assuming you mean a Metallica album. Or I'm just going to say a Metallica album. Um, I'm going to say Dire's Eve on that second question. Warp Tour stories. Oh, man. Uh, well, I've done it twice. I did it in 2008 and 2011. Oh, man. What are some... What's a good Warp Tour story? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, I almost passed out while playing drums at one show in in Phoenix. It was like 110 or 12 degrees when we were playing, and the sun was directly on the stage. It was, and it was only a 30 minute set, but it was miserable. Drank a bunch of water, and then um, we were hanging out by the bus after the show, and I think the low was like 100, so it was still just miserable outside. Um, It's probably not a great, you know, dirt story or anything like that. Um, Oh, I did see uh, that guy, what's his name? Johnny, uh, shoot, he was in that band Dance Gavin Dance, Johnny Craig. He's like a known like drug addict and kind of piece of garbage person, um, and it seems like he's he, he's always kind of up to that stuff. Um, he was, uh, from what I understand, pretty strung out on that tour. And um, there was one time he, uh, they were playing like on the stage we were on, and I was standing by our bus right behind the stage, and he had his mom with him, and they were walking over the stage, and it was like summertime, super hot and humid. She's like fanning herself. And he's like, well, I got to go play the set. And he like walks away and just leaves her in the sun. And she just looks miserable. And I walked over and I was like, hey, do you want a bottle of water and like a chair? She's like, oh my God, that'd be amazing. Like her son just walked away from his mom. I was like, come on, dude. But I did give him, I did see him get slapped by Yellow Wolf one night. It was pretty funny. Um, anyways, enough about that. Uh, Bill, how do you say your last name? Bill Veronico, Vo- Veronico's. Okay. Bill Veronico's Mars. Veronica Mars. Uh, if an artist does or says something despicable, would you still support them? Uh, would you still support the artist and listen to their music or stop? Do you separate the artist from the art? Um, yeah, for the most part, I'd say yes. Um, like, I never got into Kanye West music, but I think he's a terrible person. It's, he's done stuff on national television and things he says, and I just... I don't, I don't think he's a good person and I don't want to support that kind of music. Um, but people will continue to, that's the thing. And there's, you know, unless you do something all of a sudden 
it's kind of unforgivable. I mean, people will still put them, put money in that person's pocket, you know? Um, if an artist I like all of a sudden comes out as like insanely like racist or sexist, um, anything like that, then yeah, sorry. Bye-bye. You know, cause I, I feel like if, if that's if that person believes and you're buying their music or going to their shows and you, I mean, you're financially supporting them and, and thus supporting what they believe, I guess, in a way, um, not that you have to listen to music of artists that you believe everything about, you know, some people might not believe in God, but listen to like Christian music. Um, some people are believers and they might listen to someone who's an atheist, whatever. I think, you know, that's okay. You know? Um, but I think when it gets into like hateful stuff, that's definitely where I draw the line. That's not gonna, that's not gonna fly (laughs) in, in my book. Um, and, you know, so if, like, an artist I love all of a sudden came out as, like, this massive racist and, like, member of the KKK, I, it's, sorry, it's, <laughs> CDs are gone, never, you know, not not doing that anymore. Um, but, yeah, good question, though. Um, Anthony Cortez asks, uh, who's artist you've been rehearsing with? Sorry if you've already said it and I missed it. Well, you heard it earlier, it's Need to Breathe. Um Tags666 says, what favorite Clutch album? Uh, I can't, I can't honestly say I have a favorite Clutch record because I'm not, I've never dove in into their catalog like crazy. Um, I've got a friend, uh, multiple friends in this band called Lion Eyes who are awesome and they've toured with Clutch numerous times. So I've seen Clutch play and they're a great live band, but I, again, I haven't dove into their discography yet and uh, I should, I know they've been a band for a long time. Um, but you should also check out Lion Eyes. They're a great band. Um, um let's see here. King Nothing 1982 says, favorite Iron Maiden song? Uh, yeah, well, Peace of Mind is my favorite Maiden record. Um, I think it's incredible. I think it's a it's a British metal masterpiece. Um, yeah, I, I, I love Maiden. I mean, I've seen them a couple times. They're amazing live, great musicians. They're, they're stanima. Stanima. <laughs> um, stamina. Uh, I'm sorry, everyone, for my grammatical errors this episode. It's early. Um yeah, they're they're just incredible. Watching Bruce Dickinson like fly around that stage at his age is is very inspiring. Um, I would love to be able to jump over things and battle Eddie when I'm in my sixties. Um, yeah, that's one of my favorite uh, favorite uh, Maiden song. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention a song. Sorry. Um, where Eagles Dare is awesome. Um, Flight of Icarus is awesome. Uh, the Trooper might be one of my favorite. Um, that or Aces High, I think, are my two favorite Maiden songs, at least today. Um, our next one from Glenn. Uh, on uh, this is all from Twitter, by the way. Uh, Hi, Ethan. I know you mentioned D- uh, digging the living end, but there are are there other Aussie bands you're currently into? Um, well, ACDC. That's that's a little little known Aussie band. Um, they're awesome. Uh, I think Powderfinger is Aussie. They're cool. Um, Midnight Oil. One of the Aussie Aussie greats, of course. Uh, love Minetto. Diesel and Dust and Blue Sky Mine are great records. Um, blah, blah, blah. Silverchair. Silverchair is awesome. There's so many good Aussie bands out there. Um, a, a, a close friend of mine, uh, he's actually originally from Australia, um, lives in the neighborhood here, and he will do this thing when we're hanging out at his house where he's playing music over these Sono speakers, and, and once in a while he'll, he'll, he'll uh, turn into Aussie Hour. And he's like, for the next hour, listen to only Aussie bands. Um, Slim Dusty, you ever heard of him? Slim Dusty, he was pretty fun, kind of like a country, old school country artist. 
G'day, g'day. Hi. You know what? I'm going to play Slim Dusty right now. I, I'm going to play Slim Dusty followed by a Living End song because I love the Living End. I'm going to play at least the first verse of the Slim Dusty song because it'll be in your head for the rest of the day. Enjoy.
Boom. There you go. That was Slim Dusty. G'day, g'day. How you going? Right? That's so good. Uh, followed by The Living End, a song called End of the World off an album called Modern Artillery. The Living End is one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, great Aussie band from Melbourne, Australia. I've gotten to see them a few times, and they never disappoint. Um, we, I wish they were a, a better-known band in the U.S. Last time I saw them was in Memphis, Tennessee about a year and a half ago, and there was literally about 25 people there. It was a bummer. But nonetheless, they put on a great show and killed it. So go check out. They've got like eight records out. They're, they're so good. Kind of started as like a rockabilly punk band and kind of morphed into more of a punk band, rock band. Uh, but Chris Cheney, the singer, is a great writer, great guitar player, as you just heard. And they're just a three-piece, too. So awesome. Go check them out. Uh, next question is from Doyce Nanigans. Uh, follow-up question. What are some of your favorite songs you've recorded with Dima Hunter and the OC Supertones? Um, trying to get into them and want to know what songs you'd pick uh, to get a person into them. Um, well, I'll play something from uh, my favorite record I did with the Supertones called Revenge. Um, we did that in 04, I think. Gosh, that's getting old, too. Where's the time gone? Um I'm going to play something from Demon Hunter in a couple questions because somebody else asked about it. So stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, so Supertones was like my ska rock band from California back in the day. Um, we, got pretty, we got pretty popular. No big deal. Um, and we broke up in 05. They then reformed uh, sometime in like 2012 or 13, I think. Asked me to do it. I said no because I was full-time with Reliant K at that uh, time in history. And... Um, yeah, couldn't do it. Uh, and then they ended again, I think, like a year ago or something. I don't know. Um, but Dan, a little side note, Dan, the trombone, trombone player in the Supertones, and Brett, our second trumpet player, were two of the three horn players that played on my solo record. So there you go. Um, so yeah, I'll play you something from uh, the last record called Revenge of the Supertones um, in 04. Uh, I'll, I'll just play you the opening track um, and a little history on it real quick. So the intro is kind of this metal kind of intro that I, I wrote. So in our history, we had this thing on on records, some that I was on and some not, where we would the band would play an opening to a Metallica song. So it would be like, the first record was like, Am I Evil? Even though it's not Metallica, we know. Uh, second record was Creeping Death. Third one, they think they did Damage Inc. Um, and we didn't do it for the next couple records. And then on the last one, we thought we should do that again. But we were like, I don't know if Metallica is going to sue us or anything. It was kind of, you know shortly after that era of, of Napster and things like that. So we were just like, we wanted to be respectful and just not even try. So I wrote something that I felt sounded Metallica-ish. So uh, that's what the intro is on this song you're going to hear. And then it's kind of a Scott Rock song after that. So enjoy. This is uh, called Wake Me Up on Time.
There it is. Uh, I forgot to mention before that song started, I uh, played guitar on that. I was a guitar player in that band. I also played bass on that record, the whole record. Uh, We were in between bass players at the time. We had our friend Chris touring with us as a bass player, but wasn't really recording with us, so I did all the bass on that record. So, we, there you go. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of, that's a good example of kind of what we did in that band. Just kind of ska, rock, big guitars big choruses sing-along kind of stuff so um yeah well there you go man um that's the record again called revenge that i think uh i don't know if that's a good starting point or not that's my favorite record we did that's the one i'm most proud of i think still sounds really good uh, mark townsend who did a lot of the reliant k stuff also produced that one and a guy named jr mcneely mixed that um all right moving on we got a couple more questions then we're going to wrap this up um, Brent, or sorry, Brett uh, Miolin says, "Tell the story of either your favorite guitar or the guitar you use the most." Well, um, mm, I've got a lot of guitars. I've collected a lot over the years. I think I've got about, including lap steels, acoustics, basses, everything with every stringed instrument. I think I'm at like 24 guitars. I know you're all rolling your eyes right now. That's my, my wife does that too. She's like, why do you need so many guitars? I'm like, ah, I don't. I just have a lot and I like to, to collect them. And I don't go crazy and buy like $5,000 guitars. I, don't, I could never afford that. Um, and a lot of stuff I have is from endorsement deals over the years. You know, like I, I'm, I'm kind of with Guild Guitars currently and have been for a few years. And so they've hooked me up with a bunch of guitars. You know, they're very generous. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how you get a lot of stuff like that. Now, uh, my favorite guitar, uh, I've, I've, I've said this to people before and my wife, that the, the number one guitar that if my house is on fire and my wife and my animals were safe that I would run out of the house with is a 1984 Guild D15M, which means mahogany. Uh, it's an acoustic guitar. It was my first good acoustic uh, that my dad helped me buy when I was, uh, I believe I got it right towards the end of high school. Um, still have it. I'm going to have it out on the road with me for this Need to Breathe tour. It is my favorite acoustic I've ever played. Um, and, you know, it's not worth a lot, you know. Um, I've got guitars that are probably worth a lot more. But um, this one in particular just uh, is the most important to me uh, on a sentimental level. And, uh, yeah, that would be be my favorite guitar. Um, I remember seeing it at a guitar shop called Mission Music in uh, Mission Viejo, California. And I would go, I, I really wanted it. And so I, it was on there on consignment. And so I, I had a friend that worked there. It was one of my dad's friends, a guy named Paul Stebner, who, by the way, if you live in California and guitar work done, go to Guitar Remedy. Paul Stebner is his name. He's one of the most amazing luthiers in the business. Um, but yeah, I saw it and I really wanted that one because it looked like my dad's old 70s guild. When that 70s guild was one of the guitars I, I learned on when I was a kid. And so I wanted one that looked like my dad's. So uh, I had, you know, a, a little job. I think I worked at Diedrich's Coffee out in California for a while. And 
I'd take a little tiny bit of my paycheck, even if it was 20 bucks, and I'd go down there and put it on the guitar and kept trying to pay it off. And then for my birthday that year, my dad went in there, and I think he paid the last 100 bucks off and bought me a case for it. So still have the guitar, still have the same case. Um, yeah, that's that one. I'd say a, a very close runner-up is a, uh, it's a Gretsch anniversary. Uh, it was my first Gretsch I ever bought. I, I got into hollow bodies um, probably in the late 90s. Like I got like an Epiphone Dot one time. Still have that too up upstairs in the old storage room. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd always wanted a Gretsch because of Brian Setzer and because of the, because of the Living End who you heard earlier. And um, the back, I, mean, I believe it's the back cover of the first Living End record. Chris Cheney is playing an anniversary, and I saw the colors of it. It's it's officially it was called Two Tone Cadillac Green because back in the fifties they would get colors from Cadillac. And um, and I just really wanted one. And I had a guitar. I had a hollow body, a Gibson 135 that was stolen uh, while on tour. And uh, luckily, and take note, bands, insure your gear. It's not expensive. Um, we had our gear insured, so I got the insurance claim for it. And I was able to go buy this Gretsch anniversary. So that's probably the number two I would run out of the house with if it was on fire. Um, I got two hands. I can take two guitars. No big deal. All right, moving on. We got a couple questions left. Uh, Ralph uh, Savetto says, Hey, Ethan, fan of Demon Hunter here. Oh, very cool. Uh, I basically want to know everything about your time in the band. <laughs> everything, huh? Well, I don't know if I have time to do that. Um, I have to go do some things today, and I got to wrap this episode up soon. But um, he says, for instance, how much songwriting or lyric writing did you do with them? Um, how was your time in the band? Why did you leave? Uh, if you don't want to get into it, I completely get it. Uh, it's okay. I can tell you. Um uh, let's see in the band. I didn't actually do a lot of, I did no lyric writing. That was all Ryan Clark. Um, demon hunter is Ryan's thing. It's it, he started it. It's kind of his baby. So, um, I, I would, I would write a couple riffs and email them to Ryan and stuff like that, but we never really used anything. Um, the only writing I did was I would basically come in and play and write all the leads and little extra guitar parts over choruses and things like that. So I wrote those those little things kind of after the song was already done. Um, and so I would, my challenge was to go in there and basically kind of write and compliment what Ryan had already done. Uh, and it was really fun and very challenging. I, I had a great time in that band. I have zero bad things to say about my experience in that band. I mean, those dudes were awesome. And, and, and speaking of, you know, why I left the band, um, it was one of the hardest decisions I ever made. Now, Demon Hunter was a very part-time band. We would tour every other year, and on those other years, we'd record a record. I did two records, one called The Triptych and one called Storm the Gates of Hell. Um, now, uh, I in that time, I was also full-time with Reliant K and on tour like crazy. And it got to the point where my then-guitar tech, now Demon Hunter, Demon Hunter guitar player Patrick Judge, he would fill in for me for a couple of things that I had to miss. And I I got to the point where I felt bad and coincidentally, Don Clark, Ryan's brother, the other guitar player, who's a great friend of mine, uh, he his graphic design company was blowing up, called Invisible Creature, and he was getting swamped. So the two of us kind of left the band at the same time for pretty much the same reasons. We were just too tied down with our other work. Um, all the dudes in the band were cool with it. They understood. Um, Ryan encouraged it. He was just like, I would rather you go do this and have a full-time job in music. He's like, Demon Hunter can't can't provide that obviously they're you know and then ryan's a full-time graphic designer too you know john dunn had a full-time job everyone had full-time jobs um so that's essentially why i quit there was no hard feelings whatsoever i still love those guys i still see them when they come to town um and hang with them they're but those are some of my favorite favorite touring memories ever it was awesome um 
And speaking of which, I'm going to play you, uh, Ralph, uh, one of my favorite Demon Hunter songs. And this one is off of the Triptych, the first record I was a part of. This one, um, live when we would do it, it would feature um, Dave Peters from the band Throwdown, which is an awesome band if you haven't checked them out. Um, but yeah, uh, this is called Fire to My Soul. It was a super fun song to record. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about it other than you need to check it out. Uh, get into Demon Hunter. They're about to put out two albums right now. One, uh, one is like more of a super heavy kind of metal record. The other one is going to be more melodic, I guess, from what I understand. Um, but yeah, follow Demon Hunter because they've, they've put out plenty of amazing records since my time in the band. And I, uh, I can't support them enough and you guys should too. So here's Fire to My Soul. Why are we choking? 
There it is. There you go. Demon Hunter, Fire to My Soul. Hope you enjoyed that one. Um, yeah, again, go listen to Demon Hunter, man. They're such a great band, great guys. Uh, they've put out a bunch of records. And Ryan's just, a, I, I look up to him highly as a writer, uh, as a musician, as a graphic designer. He's just an insanely talented guy. And uh, I'm very thankful for my time in that band. Um, all right, we've got two more questions. Um, uh, Mike Fell says, what took you so long? I think he's talking about this. He says, what do you think of Gwen Stefani's career path? Well, Gwen Stefani, of course, the singer of No Doubt. Um, I'm a huge No Doubt fan. I've loved them since they were a little baby band in California. Um, and you know what? I think uh, her choice as a career path has been a good one. I think she was born to be a pop artist. Um, there's so many elements of that in No Doubt's music. And she had a hell of a career as a solo artist and has made a lot of cool, cool music. Um, may not be your cup of tea. That's okay. But, uh, I, I enjoy it. Maybe not everything, but I do enjoy a lot of her music. Um, and, uh, I, I, the only disappointment I, I had in recent years was when no doubt got back together and did a new record called push and shove. And it just wasn't, didn't have that fire that the other no doubt records had, you know, um, like Rocksteady and tragic kingdom, um, Return to Saturn. Those are such good albums and uh, just didn't have that spark, you know. So hopefully they'll get back together and they can hack it out again and put out a good record for us. Um, quick little bonus question for our last one. I just noticed this one on Instagram uh, from Faro. He says, as a Rocky fan, ever thought about doing a reggae cover of Eye of the Tiger or, or No Easy Way Out? Uh, I haven't, but now I am thinking about it, man. Um, maybe I'll make it a, do a Patreon exclusive cover of no easy way out. That's an awesome song from rock, the Rocky four soundtrack, which I own on vinyl. Um, yeah, as you guys know, the Rocky series is my favorite ever. Rocky one is the best movie of all time. Um, but thanks for the question, dude. Uh, and lastly, we have one from Sanwal. Um, this is also from Twitter. Uh, what music do you listen to to just unwind and relax? Okay. Well, that's a good one to end on. I think, uh, well, it's no you know secret. I love reggae music. Uh, it is very relaxing music. Can be very energetic music too. In songs like Bob Marley's Exodus, uh, just has a constant four on the floor beat. Um, it just kind of keeps going, and the chords don't really change the whole song. But that's you know good energy to that song. But there's a lot of mellow stuff out there, you know. And a lot of times, you know, just kicking back, got the mood lighting on in the studio, some incense burning, put on a little little uh, Rasta Man vibration by Bob Marley. I'll be r- real relaxed. Um, but one artist I've gotten into recently, she's been around for a couple of years. She's only, I think in her mid twenties from Memphis lives here in Nashville. Um, and her new record is just crazy good. Um, her name is Julian Baker and she has a song called turn out the lights, which I'm sorry, the, the name of her record is turn out the lights. And I, I want to play the title track, turn out the lights. So 
she's like this tiny little girl who is an amazing guitar player, great with pedal work, does a lot of looping, a lot of cool little padding effects underneath what she's playing. A hell of a songwriter. And I was really surprised by her record because there's no drums or bass on it. It's all guitar and piano. And that's what she does live. She just plays by herself. And it's some of the most beautiful music I've heard in a long time. Uh, I can't get enough of this record. I've been listening to it like crazy. I need to get the vinyl of it. Um, and yeah, this is this is good relax, relaxing music, you know. Um, I've often just, yeah, chilled down in my studio late at night, just have this cranked, and it's very soothing. And again, she's got a great voice, great songwriter. Look her up, Julian Baker. Uh, she's awesome. This song's called Turn Out the Lights. I'm closing with this one. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, and we'll do it again. I won't take as long this time, okay? I promise. And uh, I didn't quite mean to make this whole episode uh, uh, with a lot of my own music, but a lot of you guys are asking about it. So I figured, give the people what they want. Um, it was fun to share some of my musical history with you guys. I enjoyed doing it. It's fun to listen back to those songs. Um, yeah, anyways, go you know check us out on Patreon, check out our website, email us, all that fun stuff. Uh, and we'll see you guys later. This is Julian Baker with Turn Out the Lights. There's a hole in the drywall, still not fixed. I just haven't gotten around to it. And besides, starting to get used to the gaps. Say you wish you could find some way. To be so hard on myself So why is it easy for everyone else? I'm not always like this There's always tomorrow, I guess And I'd never do Can't tell the difference when I'm all alone Is it real or a dream? Which is worse? Can you help me? I just wanted to go to sleep You're not the last When I turn out the No